Colby Covington kicks it off as he blasts Leon Edwards. Ahead of UFC 296, we got that story. Also, some fight prediction from UFC Austin. Stay tuned. You're watching the community MMA. It's your boy Chris Cross checking in. This is a community MMA, aka the TC MMA podcast, and it has begun, ladies and gentlemen. Colby Covington kicks it off uh, with the talk, right? As he does his, you know, media campaign, if you will, starting to talk to reporters, doing interviews, and he's already letting everybody know, hey, I'm going to dominate at UFC 296 and walk away with the welterweight title. I mean, that's what it is. That is what is on the line. In this one, Colby says he, speaking of Leon Edwards, had the right matchups at the right time to get to that point in his career. He fought a lightweight washout in Nate Diaz and sat on almost two years to get his title shot. I don't think he warranted getting a title shot after beating that guy. Yeah, so, you know, this is what Colby is saying. He's, you know, making excuses for Leon Edwards, but I have to tell you, Leon Edwards. When he beat Usman, that was incredible. And he deserved that title shot. Make no mistake about it. Oh my God, Leon Edwards KO'd Usman! Yeah. And at the time, I mean, it was it was just... Chaos. It was straight chaos. And then he comes back in a five-rounder and beats Usman again. Forget about it. You know, but Colby has some points. The thing is, Colby sat out too. He's been sitting out for a title shot. So you got two... Guys that are holdouts waiting to take over the division when Usman basically loses the title. And that's happened, and here we are. And Colby continues. He says, TikTok, Leon Edwards, three weeks to go. Everybody knows you didn't want this fight. But just like the English didn't want to give us our freedom here in America, we took it. And December 16th, it's going to be no different. He, to- he tells Low Kick MMA. And, you know, Colby's always going to dig deep with some of this stuff. And then Trump may be there. We'll see. Is Donald Trump going to be in attendance? I don't see how he could, he couldn't be after going to some other recent UFC events. He's got to be in attendance. I mean, Trump has to be there. This is the one that you got to see. And last time he showed up, Americans were over for 2 in their fights. And they didn't last long at all. So is there a little bad luck there on the part of Trump? We'll see. But I got to believe that Trump is going to be in attendance uh, for that fight. I just don't see any other way around it. Now, as we got into the poll this past week, 57% say Leon Edwards beats Colby Covington. You know, so it's still close. It's still within the margin of error, right? 60-40. So you do got a good amount, 43% saying Colby Covington will win. But the bottom line is most people think Leon Edwards is going to retain the belt. And... You know, if you expand that vote to thousands of people, millions, I think it would still be kind of the same way. You do have some people that believe Colby Covington can pull it off. I certainly do. I think Colby can pull it off. But there's a lot that feel like he can't. That he can't pull it off. Now, you had Drakus Duplessis uh, bringing up Hamza Chamaev. More or less saying if he wins, that's the fight that the UFC wants to make. He tells my MMA news. I think the UFC is probably going to want to do Hamza. 
He's a big draw. And they said if he wins this fight against Usman, that he will get a title shot. If that's the fight, I would gladly as champion take out the boogeyman. It would be a massive pleasure. I think that's probably what they want to be doing. And we'll see if it plays out that way. For now, I have one target, and that target is Sean Strickland. So yeah, we know he's facing Sean Strickland. And you see some people weigh in in the Q&A in the past saying, we got to root for Strickland or we got to root for Trikas. You know, the bottom line is is the UFC has promised Hamza a title shot. And to me, it doesn't matter who wins. If, if, if Strickland wins, there's definitely no rematch. But Strickland doesn't want to fight Hamza. Trikas is open to it because he says, hey, that's what the UFC is going to want to do. They're going to want, they're going to want me to fight Hamza because they already told him that he's next up. Sean Strickland won't say the same thing. But I think that that fight... Uh, is going to be the most difficult for Hamza because you got a big guy in Drakus Duplessis who can go to the ground, who can land a punch on you and finish. I mean, you know, it's going to be a very tough fight, but you still, still got to go with Hamza on that. Either way, I don't care who wins, Hamza's beating either one. That's the bottom line. Now, you know the UFC is embroiled in this lawsuit, right? Does the UFC, uh, basically a UFC fighter pay, and does the UFC have a monopoly? That's what's being discussed. Well, one fighter, boxer, Chris Eubanks Jr. says, it's impossible. In the UFC, you have a guy who has monopolized the entire MMA world. If you don't accept what Dana's giving you, goodbye. Find somewhere else to go. A perfect example is in Ghana. In boxing, you have promotions all over the world. You have uh, associations, all these different outfits of fighting. For the best fighters, the best shows, they're all they're all like, come with us and we'll pay you this. The competition is so huge that they're always going to pay fighters more, whereas Dana doesn't have to compete with anybody, so he can pay whatever uh, pay you whatever he wants. In terms of business, he's cracked it. Now I'm not saying I disagree with this guy. It's just from an MMA perspective, I do not want MMA to become like boxing. I don't want six different outfits, six different associations. We've said this before. Because then you don't know who the real champion is. I mean, who's the real champion in boxing? You got six different, six to ten different associations that are all at play with the same weight classes. And of course, they're going to pay guys more, but fewer and fewer guys are going to make more. See, that's not what's being discussed. The number eight contender in the middleweight division of boxing, no one knows who that is. Because if there's six promotions, they're like barely in the top 50. They're not making anything. If you become one of the best of the best, maybe the top five to ten boxers are making some money. But what about all the little guys? Those aren't being discussed. I see there's more opportunity in the UFC, and as the business grows, so will, so will fight pay. As these other brands grow, so be it. The UFC will have to pay more naturally. I don't think Dana White's doing anything to prevent other associations from growing. You just saw PFL buy out Bellator, I believe. So things are happening, and the UFC is going to have to pay more eventually but i like the structure of you know you win you get double your pay then you win big you get you get bonuses and all these type of things and everybody wants to know who's the fight of the night who's the performance of the night all these things make it better and these are incentives for guys to win and win in a big way and i'm totally for it so i got it back to ufc on this one although i think fighters should probably make more money but that's easy for me to say i'm not running the business UFC is the one that's in, you know, 
has got to do all the pay all the costs of setting things up and going from city to city and you know they there's a lot of uh costs in the business as well and i think especially early on the ufc is not going to pay guys as much because they're trying to build the brand and then eventually you get to a point where you're going to have to start paying people yeah they want to put on as many fights as they can but over time the the big fights are what sell and you always got to have big names and guys you're promoting, and those guys are going to want to get paid, and it's a natural evolution, in my opinion. It's just going to go that way. As we jump into some more UFC Austin this week, we got two more fights to get to today. First one is Rob Font versus Davis and Figueredo, and that's a big one because Figueredo, after spending, what is it, four or five, four straight fights against Brandon Moreno in the flyweight division, is finally moving up to Bantamweight, and we're going to get a look at him. We're going to get a solid look at him. But Rob Fawn is no joke. Let's get into it right now. In the bantamweight division at UFC Austin, you got Rob Fawn coming in at 20 and 7, taking on Davison Figueredo, who comes in at 21 and 3. And here we go. So Figueredo is finally going to make his way up to the bantamweight division. Uh, and things will get interesting real quick because he's just going to look stronger. But can he beat Rob Fawn? I don't know. Figueredo, three inches shorter at 5'5. Five, five. He's 35, Rob Font is 36. That kind of helps, right? Rob Font's going to have about a four-inch reach advantage. Both guys are going to stand right-handed. Rob Font is more active, 5.7 significant strikes per minute. Um, but you should see uh, Davison amp his game up, too, in terms of activity. Just 3.1 per minute coming in, but I think that's going to move higher to four and five as he'll be very active in a bantamweight fight, won't feel as tired. Now, Figueredo uh, lands like a takedown every other round. Rob Font like one every three rounds. So you're not going to see a lot of takedowns, but there will be some attempts. Now, Rob Font, 46% takedown defense. That's going to be a problem. Figueredo, 57, not much better. So maybe the takedown game could be there for both guys, depending on who wants it more. Now, Rob Font lost two of the last three, right, to Corey Sanhagen. Decision, Marlon Vera, decision. He actually lost to Jose Aldo before that by decision. Beaches Adrian Yanez, who's a good fighter. Beat him by KO in the first round. So he's 1-3 in his last four. Figueredo, you already know, has been fighting Brandon Moreno for the last two or three years. Uh, he won one, lost two, and had one draw. So, you know, this is just a total different element for him. He doesn't have to worry about the weight cut. He's going to look like a fresh guy, but Rob Fawn is pretty good. And this is just going to be a tough fight. Uh, it, here, but I'm going to lean with Davis into Figueredo. I think he's going to be inspired, moving up to Bantam weight, not having to cut that weight, right? 135 to 125 is a big difference. And I just think Figueredo is going to outwork him and eventually will land some takedowns to win rounds two and three. He'll get those takedowns later in the fight to get the win here, uh, to move to 22 and three, mainly control time and equalizing significant strikes to get the win. Bantam weight division, UFC Austin. Yeah, and that's a tough prediction, as well as all the fights in this card. We're taking some some guys that are underdogs, but at the same time in this one, Davison, to me, is going gonna, is gonna to feel free when he gets in this fight. And it's a big step up to just go up there and take on a guy like Rob Font. It's not going to be an easy win or anything like that. It might even end up being a loss. But he's going to be free, not having to weight cut. He's going to be feeling good in the fight. And I think a lot of times this helps a fighter get over the top. And then a guy like Rob Fawn is going to struggle at first because when guys move up from other divisions, they're going to seem quicker and more fast paced. And even though Figueredo isn't as active, 
he's going to be more active in this fight than he has been in other fights where he feels depleted, losing the weight, trying to hold on to the belt against a guy like Moreno at the time who didn't have those problems. Now Figueredo doesn't have to worry about it. So we'll take Davis and Figueredo to win. In another big fight, you got Sean Brady versus Kelvin Gastelum. So Sean Brady took his first loss. He's 15-1. and one. Now he's got to go back down the ladder a little bit and face a guy like Kelvin Gastelum. Can he get the job done? In the welterweight division at UFC Austin, you got Sean Brady coming in at 15-1, and one, losing his last fight. Taking on Kelvin Gastelum, who comes in at 18-8. and eight. Brady's going to be one inch taller at 5'10". He's 31. Gastelum, 32. Gastelum seems older than that, but he isn't. And Brady seems younger than 31, but he isn't. It's interesting. Brady, uh, one inch reach advantage. He fights right-handed. Gastelum fights left-handed. Now, in terms of activity, uh, you're going to have Brady more active. 4.2 significant strikes per minute to 3.6. So you're still within 7 to 10 strikes at the end of the day in a three-round fight. Brady can land like a takedown every round. Gasolum once every three rounds. And Brady's got an 87% takedown defense. So it's making this prediction a little easier already. Brady did lose to Bilal. Remember the name Mohammed by second round KO, but he beat Michael Chiesa, Jake Matthews, Christian Aguilera before that. Some good opponents. Kelvin Gasolum has fought what seems to be everybody in the UFC. He did come back and get the win against Chris Curtis in his last fight. Looked good. 83-70 to 70 in significant strikes. Lost to Jared Cannonier and Robert Whittaker. So that's the top of the food chain in the division, right? So he lost to two of the best, but before that he beat Ian Heinish by decision. Lost to Jack Hermanson. Lost to Darren Till. So five to seven and above in the division. Kelvin Gastelum's probably not beating, but he's beating everybody else. And that's what makes this an interesting fight because Sean Brady is just outside of that. But I still think Sean Brady's going to pull this thing off, push Kelvin Gastelum back down, you know, to 18 and 9. But Sean Brady's just got to be better right now. 15 and 1. You know, you can't start losing fights back to back. And he's got his back up against the wall in terms of uh, his notoriety and things of that nature. So. When your back is against the wall, you usually win. So I'm leading with Sean Brady to move to 16-1, mainly on significant strikes, a few takedowns, and takedown defense. He's better everywhere here in the welterweight division at UFC Austin. Yeah, and we're, you know, we're, we got 300 wins on the year. Great mark to get to. 300 and 168 on the year. We got three cards left. So we're well over 100 wins. And now we know what to expect from year to year. But in this one, you know, you got to believe Sean Brady's going to win. Help us, you know, get to 301 wins or more. Sean Brady's a better fighter. He should be fighting top five guys. May not beat many of them right now. But he's certainly going to be Kelvin Gasolum, who's no joke. Who's no joke. Kelvin Gasolum is no joke when it comes to fighting. And he's fought against the best, so he's well experienced. And that always helps you in fights like this. But I'm still rocking, still riding, still grinding with Sean Brady. To get the W here. But listen, that's going to wrap it up for today. I want to bring you some news. Hamza in the news. Colby in the news. It's always a good day when those two are in the news. Even if it's not Hamza chomping at the bit. He's in the news. It's just someone else is talking about him. <laughs> but we'll take it. Anyhow, this is your boy Chris Cross. This is the TCMMA Podcast. Hope you have a great day and God bless. As always, peace.